Our scripture reading today is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clouds were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus came to them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Okay, if you want to keep your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 28, or feel free to use the Bible tab um, on, the, on your screen. And uh, right now I'd like to introduce our guest speaker. The Reverend Dr. Bernie Vandewal is our district superintendent for the Canadian Midwest District. And uh, he shared some of his personal story a few weeks ago. And today he has a timely message that he has sent out uh, to the churches. And so we're going to, um, he'll be preaching to us today from Matthew chapter 28. This is uh, Bernie Vandewal. Among the most famous, the most recognizable, and probably one of the most quoted figures of the 20th century was British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. My favorite Churchill quotes include, politics is more dangerous than war, because in war, they only kill you once. The other is that a fanatic is somebody who can't change his mind and won't change the topic. Perhaps, though, Churchill is best known for his quote about Never, never, never surrendering. Well, truth be told, that's not exactly what he said. Yet, it's just as surely what he meant. If you ever get a chance to read this speech, you'll be impressed by how many times the word never appears in the text. And consequently, once all is said and done, Churchill's response to the Nazi threat on Britain was, absolutely never. In English, and probably in most languages, to repeat a word or a phrase is a very basic way to signal its importance, to talk about its centrality. Every child, of course, picks up on this early. And we can, we can see it play out when they tell you that they really, really, really need something. And, and when they ask you if they can please, please, please have it. Well, the same is true in Scripture. Take, for example, Isaiah 6 or Revelation 4, where the text talks about God as being holy, holy, holy. It's not just saying that, that God is holy, though it's clearly saying that. What it's emphasizing, though, is, is how central, how important, how essential holiness is 
to the character of God. And as we look at our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, I want us to note not only are there three commands in this passage, in this story, but in this relatively short and relatively action-packed story, each of these commandments is repeated, and I think repeated for emphasis. And it comes across so well that even after almost 2,000 years of history, these commands remain in our memory. These commands, that is, continue to mark to this day and even in our own situation what lies at the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. Even for us today in the midst of this COVID chaos, not only are they still in effect, but they're very, very, very important. And they're really, really, really essential. The first command is to not be afraid. And this command is probably one of the most repeated commands in all of Scripture, and it usually shows up when heaven has arrived, when God has arrived on the scene and has done so in a particularly powerful way and is often associated with moments of great terror or great tragedy or great trouble. It's even a favorite of Matthew. We find it throughout his gospel. We find it early on in chapter number one where the angel appears to Joseph, this guy whose fiance seemingly has been unfaithful to him, and tells Joseph, in spite of all the trouble that's facing him, to not be afraid. We find it a little later, about halfway through the book, where Jesus himself says this to the disciples in the midst of the storm, when he walks out on the water to them. And then again we find it in chapter 28, at the end of the story, at the end of the gospel, where we land in this story that we have had read for us just a few moments ago. And in each of these circumstances, being afraid makes all sorts of sense. It's, it's completely reasonable. Yet in this story, both the angel and Jesus start by telling the women, do not be afraid. In the, in the face of naturally terrifying circumstances, they're encouraged not to fear. Now what they experienced was certainly not what they expected, nor really what they signed up for. In the first instance, they expected to arrive to a placid garden, to a regular tomb, to a quiet tomb, and to treat a body that would just lay there and mind its own business. Right? It's really a, a picture of tranquility that they expect to, to arrive to. And in the second instance, they see this man. And for them, the, the next man they probably expected to see was one of the disciples. And they weren't ready even to see him just yet. But really what confronted them on the road as they made their way along was, I guess you could say, a case of the walking dead. 
At the very least, each of these instances would have caught them by surprise. And more likely, what they came upon in each instance was something more than just unexpected, startling. It was probably terrifying. An earthquake. An empty tomb. A conversation with an angel. Soldiers passed out on the ground. And later on, a man standing whom not that long before they saw tortured. Saw him die. And saw him buried. And so naturally the command, do not be afraid, fits. There was lots of reason to be afraid. And so we might ask the question, why is it so important for us to not be afraid? Why is it so important for them to to not be afraid? Well, I think there's at least two reasons. God. The good God, the loving God, the merciful God was working for good in the midst of and maybe even through this seeming chaos. And the second reason is pretty simple. It'll make fulfilling the second and the third commands possible. The second command, come and see. Knowing that the women had come to tend to Jesus' body. And knowing what they were in that moment witnessing. And knowing that He had just told them some pretty remarkable, some pretty unbelievable things. Still the angel says to the women, Come and see. I mean, these women were probably pretty sure that they knew where Jesus' body ought to be. After all, these very same women not only witnessed the horror of the crucifixion, but they were there when Joseph of Arimathea laid his body in the tomb. And they were there when he rolled the big stone across the entrance. They had seen it all. They had witnessed it all themselves. Interestingly enough, no one else, not even Jesus' closest disciples, witnessed the fullness of the stark reality of Jesus' death and burial in the same way that these women who were in the garden had. And fittingly, as they continued in their vigil, from cross to tomb, these women who had been with Jesus in His darkest hours, would be there to witness the event of the resurrection, His most glorious hour. It's interesting to me, though, if you look at the text closely, that it's not even clear that they actually went in and looked at the tomb. And then next, after they've gone, they meet Jesus on the road, and more by his posture than by his words, he too says, come and see. He invites them in. 
He encourages them to come near. And the word he uses here is not just a greeting of, oh, hi, but it has the same root word. It comes from the same root word as rejoice. Rejoice. So it's a warm welcome. It's a celebratory welcome. It's a welcome that bids the stranger to to come closer, to come and see. And they do so without hesitation. They, They could come no closer to him than they did. They embraced him. They clung to him. In the fury and the despondency of life that had surrounded their last days, they grab hold of him most tightly. And given who he is, not only do they cling to him, but they worship him. The one who is both resurrected and the resurrection. The one who is both alive and who is the life. They cling to Him. They clutch Him. They draw as close to Him as they possibly could. We might think that this would be a great ending to the story. The epic hero reunited with his most dedicated followers. And yet Jesus, like the angel, doesn't end with, come and see. And it seems that even the women aren't satisfied with come and see. The invitation of the angel, the command of Jesus to come and see is just as quickly followed by go and tell. And without giving any reason for the necessity of this next command, why it's so important, Both the angel and Jesus follow up the invitation to come and see with the command to go and tell. And the angel even adds force to this command. He says to do it quickly. He adds urgency to this mission. And without hesitation, without question, the women obey and they go. And not only do they leave right away, But the text tells us that they hurried and that they ran. In fact, they go so quickly, as I said before, that it seems like they take the angel's word about the resurrection of Jesus. And they don't seem to even linger long, if even go to the tomb. They simply turn and they go. How quickly do they go from the angels? Well, so quickly that there's still a mix of emotions. They didn't wait until they processed everything. They didn't wait until they had it all figured out. They didn't wait until they had all the answers. They didn't even wait until they had calmed down. Not only were they hurrying, not only were they running, They were filled with joy, but they were still afraid. You have to admit, that's a pretty strange combination. 
joyous and afraid. And so they go. They run, and they continue to run until they see Jesus. And while they stop to be with Jesus, it seems as though it's only for a moment. And rather than allowing them to settle in too comfortably into His presence, He sends them on their way. And just like the angel had before him, Jesus too says to the women, Go and tell. Well, what are they to go and tell? Well, it again would seem from the text that it's pretty simple. They're to go and tell what they've come and seen. That Christ is risen. That He's risen indeed. And even more so, that He looks forward to being with them again. It's been 2,000 years since these events in an obscure garden, in an obscure city, in an obscure kind of day. And yet the commands that both the angel and Jesus gave to these women, these followers, continue to call out to us, to me and to you, in our obscure homes, in our obscure city and towns, on an otherwise obscure kind of day. Don't be afraid. Some of us, especially today, in the midst of global uncertainty, need to hear, maybe again, the exhortation from Jesus and the angel not to be afraid. After all, He is risen. He's risen indeed, and He longs to be with us again. And while the world quakes around us, and while others shake around us, maybe even faint, you need not fear. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. And He longs for and looks forward to being with you again. And even so, just as it was for these two women, for Mary and Mary, if you're experiencing fear, if you're experiencing doubt, if you're experiencing uncertainty or shock or alarm, you don't have to let it, first of all, swallow your joy. We learn from this story that even if uncomfortably or even if only temporarily, even if we're afraid, we can still be joyous. They can actually exist together. But also, don't let anybody tell you that your fear disqualifies your ministry. 
disqualifies your witness. Both the angel and Jesus, knowing they were afraid, still sent these women to, to tell, to tell what they had seen, to tell about Jesus. And Jesus was ready to receive the women and their worship, even though they hadn't wrestled down and eliminated their fear yet. Even though all their questions weren't answered. Even while their fear still lingered. And in turn, Jesus, the Holy One of Israel, was ready to send them as His chosen instruments of good news. Even though their joy, which was real, true joy, at the glory and hope of the risen Jesus was still mixed with fear. And come and see. Some of us, especially today, need to hear, need to hear again the command to, to come and see. The invitation of Jesus to come and see. We need to meet, maybe again like the first time, the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus who is still alive. The Jesus who has defeated death, not only for Himself, but also for us. The Jesus who greets us and welcomes us in, even as we're running through the chaos that is our lives. And we need to cling to Him. In the chaos that is our world these days, it, it quakes around us and others have fallen. We need to cling to Jesus tightly. Cling to Him as though He's not only the one that we love, which I certainly hope He is, but cling to Him as if He were our only hope. Because He is. And of course, like the women, we need to worship Him. We need to express to Him and express to others. Those who we find at His feet with us, and even to a listening world who's not yet there. Not only where our hope is grounded, but that it's Jesus alone who serves as the source of our hope. And then, in closing, we have to go and tell. Some of us, even today, need to obey unhesitatingly and with a sense of urgency the commission that the angel and Jesus gave to go and to tell. We need to tell those who will listen and we probably need to tell those who won't. We need to tell a lost and chaotic and fearful world that He is risen. That He's overcome death. And not just for Himself, but for me. And for you. And for them. We need to go and tell those who will listen. 
and even those who won't. What do we tell them? What we have seen. How Jesus has met us in our chaos, in our fear. And how he's met us sometimes even unexpectedly as we've run along the path of our lives. We, we can tell them about how he's met others. And then be sure to tell them how he can meet them too. We need to tell them that even today, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And he says, come and see. If the number of hits that this service gets online is any indication, then we're in a time of unprecedented openness and interest in what the church has to say in the message of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I want the last words that you hear from me today to be this. Go and tell. Amen.